0: Welcome to the Yahoo Finance Presents podcast. I'm Alexis Christophoris. Thanks for listening and remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Tyson Foods is behind some of the most recognized names in your supermarket, including Jimmy Dean, Hillshire Farm, and Ballpark. Tyson also produces one in five pounds of all chicken, beef, and pork in the U.S. So why is the company turning to lab-grown meat and packaged foods? Here to fill us in is Tyson's president and CEO, Tom Hayes. It is so great to have you on the podcast, Tom.
1: Thanks for having me, Alexis. It's fantastic to be with you.
0: So since becoming CEO, I guess, is it about 18 months ago?
1: Yeah, it is. It'll be 18 months, I would say, in June. So it was December 31st of 2016. A date you remember. Yeah, exactly. And then prior to that, I was president for six months.
0: So in that time, you've done a lot. You've orchestrated a number of acquisitions, including investing in lab-grown meat, uh, plant-protein-based companies. You know, it almost sounds to someone not in the industry, uh, just a layperson, it sounds a little counterintuitive for a meat producer to do this. So so what's the strategy here, Tom? Yes,
1: you know, the strategy is for us to be involved in anything that is protein. Delivering protein at scale sustainably is is at the heart of what we do. And so to answer that question, you really have to think about our overall purpose as a company, which is to continue to raise expectations for the good that food can do. So we are sustainably feeding the world, and we want to continue to play a major role in that. The thing that is is happening, which everybody is seeing, is that there are disruptive factors. So whether it's plant-based protein or lab-grown protein alternatives, things are moving at a rapid pace because there's an enormous challenge to solve with a growing population. So Tyson has decided that we will be involved in the conversation at every level. And one of the things we decided to do is to create Tyson Ventures, $150 million fund to go after emerging technologies so we can play a role in shaping the conversation, deciding which of these we want to own, uh, which ones we want to continue to invest in. And, you know, disrupt ourselves is really what it's all about. We don't want a Kodak moment, if you will. We want to be Mm -hmm. in a situation where we have complete ownership of, you know, how our future uh, is going to be played out. And that is investing in everything that could be helpful to growing protein on a global basis.
0: Right, so continuing to to innovate. Um, I know you're also investing in prepared foods. Uh, We had the acquisition this year of Advanced Pierre for $3.2 billion in cash. Why is this an important segment for Tyson to be a part of?
1: Advanced Pierre is a really interesting company. We've uh, come to know them over the years. It's a company that has been growing through acquisitions, and they really started to hit their stride when they made their final acquisition of Barber Foods, which is a a prepared chicken company, and leveraging a couple of things that are really important to us in terms of long-term growth. The first was they are very channel-focused on those channels that are growing. So it's the perimeter of the grocery store where people are taking foods that are prepared to eat or prepared to heat. And those are the uh, growing areas of the supermarket. Almost every other area in a supermarket is declining. The second is channels. The channels that uh, are focused on outside of retail that are hitting consumers, whether it's grab and go. So convenience stores are a really big part of that. There are other venues, but C-Store is probably the largest. And so we have expertise in those, but they brought new capabilities to the table. And then just new approaches to how they treat customer brands. We've always done customer brands really well at Tyson. Advanced Pierre brings customer brands focus to the table in a way that is different in that they make a lot of money on them. And they have you know very strong customer relationships. And so we've taken this approach that we want to focus on customer brands as well as our Tyson brands. Of really delivering you know, what we want, which is ultimately what the consumer is looking for. The products that, that they have, they make sandwich components, they make sandwiches fully assembled, and uh, they are right now, as far as the trends in the industry, right on top of it with where we are with Jimmy Dean, you know, making sure that consumers are getting you know, those uh, sandwiches, and particularly at breakfast, I'd say, uh, as a part of their daily routine, because they are just smoking hot in terms of demand uh, generation right now.
0: You know, you've said uh, before that the food industry is starved for growth. So, is that where you see the growth in in the packaged food segment?
1: Yeah, the uh, growth is all about fresh, flexible, convenient. So, people want protein in their lives, and they want it to be, you know, fresh, less processed. And that's a continual curve that we've been on trying to take additives out. I should say, uh, you know, in this uh, part of this that, you know, antibiotics as is, is a part of the supply chain in chicken, we've removed entirely. So we're NAE or no antibiotics ever in our full supply chain. But consumers are really focused on what are those products that are going to be healthy for me? And healthy means uh, fresh and less processed. And you know what's interesting?
0: Tom, sorry to interrupt, but when I hear packaged food, I think processed. I don't think necessarily fresh. Is that is that a challenge for the industry to sort of get consumers on board with with rethinking how they view packaged food?
1: It really is, Alexis. And what they're coming to the conclusion of, I think, in a lot of cases is that it doesn't have to be, you know, refrigerated, meaning fresh. Frozen is also a good alternative because we freeze products so we can preserve them. And it's really when you package, the challenge is maintaining, you know, that quality that we want and the food safety and preservatives help to do that. And so taking preservatives out, put us in a situation where you have to figure out those solutions that are going to keep the shelf life. Mm -hmm. So they are high quality products, whether it's on a refrigerated shelf or in a frozen case. And so there's been this a bit of resurgence of frozen food and particularly in breakfast foods. The Jimmy Dean brand is driving essentially all the growth right now at retail and frozen. And it's because of breakfast, protein, and people want products that are less processed.
0: I know another big bet you're making is on uh, lab-grown meat, which is, I think, something else a lot of Americans need to wrap their heads around. Uh, You invested in a company called Memphis Meats. Uh, They produce sustainable cultured meat. Tell us, what does that mean? What do they do? And and why are you betting so big on on lab-grown meat?
1: It's it's a part of the Tyson Ventures uh, investments that I mentioned. And so the the key areas we're focused on are things that are going to be Uh, new technologies, which that is one of uh, sustainability, so taking waste out of the system, and just areas that we find attractive for delivering products to consumers that takes any sort of friction out of the supply chain. Now on Memphis Meats, you know, what's interesting about the the space, I would say in general, is that there's um, emerging technologies, there's technologies that are different across the spectrum, uh, so it's all—it's not created equal. The fact that you know they're using um, the lab-grown to create protein products, that you don't have to raise an animal for. Everybody has a sort of a different twist on how they're doing it as they're scaling up. We like Memphis Meats and the way that they're approaching it. It's still very far away, you know, from being cost-effective. But as I said in sort of the opening, that anything that is a protein that is going to be a good answer for the future. We want to be a part of because technology is moving at such a rapid pace. Things are going to be very different, you know, 20 years from now than they are today, and it's going to be on the back of technology. And we want to be at the center of that.
0: And you've also said you you want to transition to a modern food company. I'd imagine sustainability is part of that. But but what else? When you say a modern uh, food company, what else does that mean?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So. Modern food company to Tyson means uh, three things. The first is, and you called it out sustainability. So not just being a company that is doing the right things in terms of environmental, social governance, but also being very transparent. So we have a a big approach to uh, making sure that consumers know, you know, where we're headed, uh, giving visibility into our supply chain, doing Facebook live events. Uh, with uh, you know, folks showing them what a poultry farm looks like. So transparency, owning our mistakes, making sure that we're continuously improving, that's the first thing. The second thing is agility because moving slow is often associated with large companies and we're trying to break that, that we move fast and based on you know the things that we see, they're going to add value overall for all of our stakeholders, which leads me to the third thing, which is really about Companies that are going to be successful continually have to be relevant and if they're going to you know Continue to grow volume continue to grow sales and margins and profit They have to have products that sing to the consumer mm-hmm. and it's been tough for big food Big food has really been struggling with that mainly because of agility And those are the things that we think if done well together create what is this really strong modern food company?
0: Um, American output of red meat and poultry is expected to reach a record this year, topping a hundred billion pounds for the first time ever. You know, we've seen this surge in U.S. meat production. Do you think, is that one of the biggest headwinds for your industry going forward in terms of, of pricing power?
1: Having a lot of protein on the market is not necessarily of, you know, a, a bad thing for Tyson. The reason why, I mean, I, I know that where you're coming from in terms of the comment because it could be deflationary. But uh, one thing to remember about Tyson is that we are the, uh, in the U.S., the largest food company. So because of our diversified channels that we play and the diversified proteins, it tends to be a situation where if one is up, the other is is down, there there tends to be a mix element to it that is beneficial for Tyson. The other thing I'd point you back to is that in the midst of having protein availability, we have really strong brands. So to the extent that it equates to products that we use in production to be lower costs, so the prices come down overall as an input cost, that can be very helpful as it relates to those items that are using those materials to build, you know, great tasting food products in our brands like Jimmy Dean, Hillshire Farm and Ballpark.
0: So diversifying into things like plant protein-based products, uh, lab-grown meats, helps you sort of offset other areas in the business that might not be doing as well as you'd like at any given time?
1: Yeah, you know, it doesn't work always perfectly, Alexis. <laughs> <laughs> Our investors would like it to work that way. But I will say that is that is the idea. You've got it where um, because we have scale across channels and across product types, uh, we look for those areas where we can really push – uh, to make sure that we're doing the right things by our investors as well as the long-term health of the Im- the business, uh, you know, by um, sort of balancing our portfolio.
0: Now we see that the unemployment, the national unemployment rate, is near a 17-year low, and lots of different industries say it's getting tougher to attract skilled workers. And you've said publicly that your industry is experiencing a labor shortage. Why is that, and and what is Tyson doing to address the problem?
1: The reason we see that it's, uh, what's happening is that, you know, which is good news is the economy's getting better. Uh, so of course, you know, unemployment is, is, uh, coming down and it's always been a challenge for us, but it's obviously particularly acute. When we have low unemployment, we have been raising wages to make sure that we can, uh, th- over the last few years to make sure that we get the, the uh, folks to join our company, uh, for sure. But then we are also looking at new and more automation. So as technology improves, we are automating the most difficult jobs in our business. It's, uh, I've said, you know, very publicly that I think that we'll be a net sort of adder of jobs over time because we are a growing company, but automation and robotics are things that we are doing a lot of work on already. And we're accelerating investments with the tax benefits that we're receiving as it relates to uh, the new reform. That is something that is, uh, continuing to be a really strong focus for us. And I'd say the team members at the plant level love it because they understand that when a difficult job is taken out, we need somebody to maintain that equipment, uh, they move to other jobs in the plant. So that's the way that we're dealing with the challenge that is labor. And, you know, it's, uh, may say it's not specific to, you know, to Tyson, but I'd say uniquely we are putting more investment in automation.
0: So automation and robotics at Tyson are not necessarily taking the place of human workers. They're enhancing uh, those jobs, or are they sort of moving a human workforce around within the company?
1: Yeah, so they would be taking those jobs out. So if you imagine a line that there's a difficult task that's repetitive, that is, an, and it's not a place where people would choose to go first. It's usually that's where the the first, as they enter the company, that would be the first job that they they would have, and then they move sort of up the chain uh, what we are t- attempting to do is to make those most difficult jobs, and to, also I would say, uh, it's uh, on second shift. They're always tough at the plant level, where we would remove those out of the s- the system. There would be, there would be less requirement to have individuals, fewer team members on those lines, but those lines need to have uh, technicians. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of work going on to train up uh, new technicians and refrigeration technicians. There's a bit of a shortage out there. So, uh, as technology improves, of course you need that skilled labor and it's, it's, that's the area that is, uh, we're simultaneously investing in, uh, through, uh, uh, training that we have both at the local level, as well as your headquarters to bring skills up to the level that we need them as those jobs change from manual to more technical.
0: You know, recently, uh, China hiked duties on several U.S. exports, including a 25 percent tariff on pork. And this was in retaliation uh, for President Trump's tax on steel and aluminum imports. China is one of the largest markets for U.S. pork exports. What kind of impact do you expect this to have on Tyson and, and what might it do to your market share in China?
1: So. I'd rather not get into rather not to get into too much detail there. What I will say uh, as a headline, Alexis, is that we want the trade to flow, right? <laughs> so whether it's China or NAFTA. So we hope that these uh, these things wind up with a with a settlement that's going to be good for both countries, do realize you know that there's an imbalance, understand you know what the effort is. But for us as it relates to China, we are very happy with our business, I'd say, to all of Asia, and we'd like it to continue. As it relates to pork, you know, it's less of a, less of a material that would uh, move to China for us. Uh, what I would uh, continue to focus on is our U.S. Uh, business is that where we are at the center, where it's growing, the exports are a large part of our business, but not so much as it relates to pork specifically going to China.
0: Do you expect it to have a material effect on the bottom line for you?
1: Uh, If we, you know, rather than we're in a quiet period, rather than talking about it here, what I'd say is uh, we'll talk about it during our call. Um, I will say that for us, as long as we continue to have open agreements and it's hard, you know, really in the end to politicize food too greatly, Mm -hmm. we're confident that we'll get to a place that'll be that'll be uh, good for Tyson.
0: So your message for, for President Trump would be? Uh, Do no harm. Mm -hmm. Okay.
1: (laughs) And I understand, particularly as it relates to NAFTA, there's a lot of uh, things that need to be changed. It's it's an old agreement, 25 years old, I think. So that's, um, yeah, there's a lot of modernization that can happen. However, we'd like to trade to continue to flow.
0: So we know that Tyson Foods experienced a nice uh, tax savings windfall uh, because of the new uh, Trump tax law. Uh, Curious what you're going to do with that money. You mentioned earlier uh, that some of that's going towards higher uh, wages for workers. I would imagine, uh, because of your style early on in your tenure there, that more acquisitions are in the offing.
1: Uh, We're looking at a number of different things. So yes, we have, um, so it's about $300 million impact to us and on an annual basis, and that is extraordinarily helpful. The first thing we did is we issued a bonus to our frontline team members, those team members that have not uh, had a bonus as a part of their compensation, uh, thousand dollars to full-time team members, $500 to part-time team members. And so that equated to roughly a hundred million dollars. The other areas of investment for us are in automation, like I said, and we are continuing to invest in technology. So those things that are longer term focus for the company and will have, um, I think, both immediate impact on sort of the culture and how people feel about how we're investing, but also just the future of food as it relates to all the technology investments that we spoke of that are so important to making sure we continue to lead in terms of sustainability.
0: There's been a talk, as people guess um what what the next company is that Tyson wants to buy. There's been talk that there's interest in Pinnacle Foods, which owns dozens of brands we know, including Duncan Hines and Van Camp. Um, Are Are you looking at Pinnacle?
1: We are constantly looking at anything that would add value to our company. What I have said uh, very publicly is that our f- focus is on three main areas and then a fourth area that I can touch on. But the three main areas are brands, Are there brands that are coming into our portfolio that are going to support our strategy? So when you think about specific assets, uh, that, you know, may not fit into our strategy our strategy is protein. So that's a filter you should think about. And our investors uh, obviously think about that consistently, but the second is capabilities. We have a need to have more and better capabilities as we continue to drive for growth and to be a company that is remaining relevant to consumers, as I mentioned. The third area that we also focus on is uh, geographical expansion. So if it's, uh, whether it's here in the US or if it's outside our home market, those areas are attractive to us because food is actually food consumption is growing faster outside of the US than it is in the US. And so as we're you know thinking about those things that we're going to invest in, those are the primary filters. The fourth that I sort of mentioned is that it sort of runs a thread through all of those is whether or not we can capture synergy by the scale of those acquisitions as we have with Advanced Pierre. So, um, but, you know, brands, geographics, and capabilities, those are the filters we use as we think about acquisitions.
0: I know that Tyson's trying to expand its international footprint. Is there any place, geographically speaking, that you're looking to? Uh, expand over the next year or so?
1: We have done a lot of work to understand where the consumers are headed. What can we bring of value? So we want to, of course, match the two, because if we can bring value that's differentiated to markets that are going to be growing and markets where we can be successful. I mean, there are a lot of headwinds that you face in some of the markets uh, around the world that is, uh, you know, makes it harder to achieve a return for our investors. What I'd say is the idea of you know focusing on where that growth is understanding how we can compete and be a number one or number two player over time uh, has to be clear to us and yes we are looking at every area around the globe we are assessing uh, what would be best for tyson to do for our shareholders and is highly going to leverage what we have today in terms of our skill set because that we think we can bring unique value creation if we execute that properly
0: You have a goal, a pretty ambitious goal, of reducing greenhouse gas emissions 30% by 2030. And to that end, I know you just announced the largest ever land stewardship commitment by a U.S. protein company. You've committed to support improved environmental practices on two million acres of corn by the end of 2020. Tell us about this this effort you're taking on.
1: If you think about um, our strategy to sustainably feed the world with the fastest growing protein brands, we have to play a role Uh, big companies need to get in the game tyson has chosen to get into the game and not only be in it but lead it so uh, that comes down to making commitments and in a lot of ways we are not going to put ourselves in the position of thinking we have all the answers for long-term commitments today because uh, they are long-term so technology is going to improve and, you know, what we know today about technology uh, is going to be way different uh, tomorrow, not just in information technology, automation, or robotics, but anything that is going to be supportive of building a better food system over time. So uh, we did make the commitment of 30% reduction by 2030. And the stewardship is a way to demonstrate that, that is what we're going to do with 2 million acres. And by the way, 2 million acres is about uh, the size of, uh, you know, Michigan in terms of the scale, uh, to give you perspective, wow. and it's also the, the amount of uh, acreage we would need to supply our entire poultry system with grain. So uh, it's a good number for us. It's a big commitment, and there's a lot of work that needs to go to behind it to make it happen. But we believe, you know, the bold agenda needs to start with bold commitments, and then we will step up to deliver those over time.
0: Well, Tom, it's been fascinating to see how you've been transforming Tyson. Before I let you go, I want to ask: Is there a favorite Tyson product that shows up in your house and with your family often?
1: Yeah, this is always a difficult question to ask <laughs> because it, you know it's a. What am I asking child? you to choose? Your yeah. favorite
0: child, right?
1: Yeah. Totally. Yeah, but what I what I can tell you is that depending upon you know what the season is, it's going to change, right? So if it's summertime and it's grilling, or if it's you know, uh, the holidays, there, there are lots of different factors that, that go into it. Right now, um, I love, I've been eating every day the Jimmy Dean frittatas. Mm. So it's a high protein, lower carb product. Uh, my wife and I cook these up in the morning. There's a, They're in two packs uh, in, the, uh, in the box. And she has one and I have one and they keep me uh, satisfied until lunchtime. Oh, so okay. right now I'm going to have to go with the Jimmy Dean frittata by the way, that's available at your local supermarket.
0: <laughs> nice plug. I'm, I'm all on board for lower carbs, too. So Tom Hayes, <laughs> president and CEO of Tyson Foods, thanks so much for being with us.
1: Thank you, Alexis.
0: Thanks for listening to the Yahoo Finance Presents podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and share this podcast, and remember to subscribe so you never miss an episode.